Good day, gentlemen. Welcome. Oh, Anthony, I love it. He says, I'm hoping this series turns me into a real man and I can drink black coffee. Indeed, that is the measure of a, of a real man. Well, you just got to go cold turkey, man. That's all I can say is you just got to go cold turkey and, and just you know dive in, jump in, and you'll get there. <laughs> anyway, glad you're all with us this morning as we, uh, or afternoon or evening or whatever time it is for you. And a special shout out to those of you who will, uh, will watch this live stream uh, or actually watch it later uh, because of the title. I'm glad you're here. You're actually going to help make a very important point of what I think we need to learn from Proverbs chapter 5 today. So don't be shy about uh, watching this just because it has the word breasts in it. It's okay. It's in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, glad that you are all here. Good morning, Keith. All right. So uh, we are working our way through Proverbs. And, you know, I, I, I think I start this way every Friday in our Fridays with the fellas here, but I can't help it. Uh, there's a group of men that uh, gets together on Thursday nights, and we are also going through Proverbs together. Uh, I just finished teaching through some of it in uh, New Covenant School of Theology, and the response is the same in every setting. Men are learning so much about being men from this book and we it's so neglected it's think about where we go to learn about manhood we go to books written by men and so much of it is theoretical psychological really written from a feminist influence it's infiltrated the church and here we have this rich resource that is written from a man to his sons full of how to live life the way God designed it to be lived. So I'm glad you're here. Good morning, Joe. Glad that you're with us as well. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And I just want to encourage you, drink deeply as we go and, and reflect on these things as we go. So today we're in chapter five, and I want to read the first uh, 14 verses here to get us started. Uh, and then we'll come back and, and talk through it. So, uh, so let's do that. Here we go. My son, I know it says here, my child, but it's really my son. And that's especially important for, uh, for this particular chapter. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Pay close attention to my understanding in order to safeguard discretion and that your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her seductive words are smoother than olive oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Lest she should make level the path leading to life, her paths have wandered, but she is not able to discern it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from the words I speak. Keep yourself far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your vigor to others and your years to a cruel person. Lest strangers devour your strength and your labor benefit another man's house 
And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are wasted away. And you will say, how I hated discipline. My heart spurned reproof. For I did not obey my teachers. I did not heed my instructors. I almost came to complete ruin in the midst of the whole congregation. All right, so there is, uh, is this first section here in Proverbs uh, 5. Uh, Martin says, I have a question. Is the word... Uh, love the world, the same word applied the... Um, is that, sorry, man, I don't know if that's, uh, referring to something here in Proverbs or, uh, you love the world. Yeah. I'm, you'll have to give me a further explanation of that explanation. On it. Okay. So here is Solomon speaking to his son and he's, he's very, cautious he, he's he's what's the word i'm looking for he's this is this is a big deal to solomon be attentive son listen to me pay close attention to this safeguard guard protect discretion that your lips may guard knowledge and notice then he, the play on word to hear lips for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey so uh, hey, Michael, glad you're with us. So I think I've said this before. I don't remember if we talked about it on the live stream or other settings, but I've done a lot of premarital counseling, marriage counseling uh, in my years as a professional pastor in the past. And whenever I ask guys, did your, son, did your dads talk to you about sex? The overwhelming majority of them say no. And the ones who say yes, it's usually these two things. Usually there is an awkward conversation about, uh, you know, body parts and the mechanics of sex. And typically it's got some lame book <laughs> or something, some, uh, some book with dumb pictures in it. And the other thing they're told is, no, sex is bad. Don't do it. Right. Okay. Well. It's good, especially uh, for a guy who is uh, maybe engaged and, and uh, preparing to actually uh, participate in sex with his uh, future wife here when, when they get married. It's good to help, you know, guys need to understand how the body works. We're, we're not uh, uh, naturally discerning in, as far as that. And it's good to be told that sin is bad. But what you want to communicate is sex is good. Sin is what is bad. Too often what's communicated is sex is bad and that leads to problems in the marriage. But here's the thing. Here's what Solomon is teaching his son. It's not simply don't do it or anatomy. He is teaching his son the reality of the desire for sex and the woman out there, the sinful, wicked woman who would be happy to seduce you. That's the part that I rarely hear men tell me their dad's disgust with them. But again, look what Solomon says. Listen to carefully here. Guard your lips, uh, that your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her seductive words are smoother than oil. Did your dads say when you were 12, 13, 14, somewhere there, say, hey, son, 
have you noticed how attractive women are? Have you noticed yourself liking to, uh, to look at certain body parts on women and you're finding your own body doing strange things when you see them? Yeah, well, that's natural. That's good. That's God given. But let me warn you. This is for husbands and wives. This is for marriage. And there are plenty of women out there who understand how attractive they are to you. And they are going to say things to try to lure you into the bedroom with them. And they're going to wear clothes to try to attract your eyes. And they're going to, they know how to, how to pull you in. Don't do it. It's, it's natural. Your body wants this. Your, your eyes want this. Again, it's natural. It's the way God designed it. You're designed to be attracted to women. But let me tell you, there are women out there who will manipulate that and lead you into ruin. Did your dads ever talk to you about that? Fathers are so afraid of this. I don't know why, but we're so afraid of this. Solomon's not afraid. He's afraid for his son not to know this. Think about that. For those of you who are fathers of sons, and you're too embarrassed, too timid, scared to talk about, your, about sex with your son, learn from Solomon. He is terrified that his son is not going to know these things. Why is he so scared? Because he knows where this leads. Look at the language of the adulterous, seductive woman. Look how Solomon describes him. She, her end, is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. You, you'll give your vigor to another. Strangers will devour your strength. Your father should have said to you, and if you are a father, you have to teach your son these things. My son, if you go down this path, you're going to ruin your life. There's all kinds of consequences today. Now, maybe we're not as much in danger of losing our life as they were in Solomon's day. Although, you sleep with a jealous man's husband who's way bigger than you, has a shotgun, Glock, you know, could be the end. Not to mention, of course, God's uh, anger, right? Um, and the sin and dealing with God, but the, the practical everyday consequences. Destroy your own marriage, destroy this other person's marriage. Uh, if she gets pregnant, you may end up paying child support, all on and on and on it goes, right? The, the real effects of your reputation, gone. Solomon is so concerned about this. Why aren't we? Why didn't your dad warn you of the seductive interest of, of women? My experience through my, my own life and observing and conversing with others is women are actually more aggressive sexually than, than men in terms of seeking it out and, and seducing it. Um, when it, especially when it's off limits, 
I've told you this before, there are women out there, no matter who you are, there are women out there who would be interested in seducing you. And you've got to run from her. And your father should have taught you this. And I'm begging you, if you have a son or sons, have these conversations. It's, it's so important. So then Solomon gives an alternative. He says, son, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed outside, your streams of water in the wide plazas, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife uh, you married in your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you at all times. May you be captivated, captivated by her love always. So you may think here, oh, look, Solomon's using metaphor. He does, you know, he's kind of dancing around. He's like, he has that book of silly illustrations. No, he's trying to paint this in beautiful poetry. He's not afraid to get to the issue. Look, verse 19, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you at all times. This word satisfy is the Hebrew word for satiate. Do you know what satiate means? If you are satiated, what does it mean? Let me, uh, somebody tell me in the comments here, what does satiated mean? Well, I'm waiting for that. Keep going here. Solomon says, look, run away from the adulterous woman and pursue your wife. Again, in my uh, years uh, as a pastor, talking about these things, I've had far more wives tell me, he doesn't pursue me. He doesn't seem interested in sex with me. They'll tell me I'm interested. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't find me attractive. Maybe he's just, you know, I've been told all my life that guys are sex crazed maniacs. And well, I guess I didn't marry one. He won't pursue me. I don't think the stereotype is wrong. I think for a lot of reasons, men aren't pursuing their wives. Now, some of it has to do just with the relationship dynamics, and we don't have time here to dive into all that, but some of it is men are pursuing porn. They're, they're comparing their wives to these fake women, whatever. Pursue your wife, gentlemen. And again, fathers, tell your sons to do this. Yeah, Lon got it. Satiate means filled to overflowing satisfied beyond where you can't take anymore. It's like, you know, the, when you've eaten so much, you couldn't put another bite in your mouth. That's the imagery he uses here. Son, he says, uh, where'd it go? May your wife's breast satiate you. Lon says Solomon, Solomon must have been sated with 2,000 breasts. Yeah, that's true. And in Song of Solomon, he, uh, he describes that. He says, uh, I mean, in Ecclesiastes, he describes it and says, I've had everything men want, including, you know, breast of breasts. Uh, the translators don't usually uh, translate that way, but I wish they would because that's what he says. Uh, yep, Solomon knows this better than most. But here he's not talking to a man who has thousands or hundreds of wives. He's talking to a man, we don't know how many wives his son has, maybe one. But he's saying, look, son, pursue your wife. And he speaks of sex with his wife here 
as in glowing terms, right? First of all, don't spread your water somewhere else. Stick to your wife. May your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife you married in your youth. So he's not talking necessarily to a young son. We don't know how old Solomon is or how old his son here is. But you married her. Rejoice in her. And he means have sex with her. And he's not in the least bit timid about saying to his son, look, son, I know you enjoy your wife's breasts. You want to see them. You want to touch them. God made you that way. It's good. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be hesitant. Enjoy her. Be captivated by her love always. This is not some sentimental, oh, I just love her with all my heart. He's no, no, he's saying, go make love to her regularly. How many fathers say that to their sons? And I want to encourage you, again, as fathers with sons in the home especially, but even grown sons, make it obvious that you enjoy sex with your wife. You know, we have this uh, this awful, awful stereotype situation here where kids thinking about their parents having sex is just like, oh, you know, it's gross, it's repulsive. No, I don't want to know that happens. That's a problem. There's There are very few gifts that you can give to your children that are greater than seeing a husband and wife, mother and father, enjoying marriage and sexuality. Men, be affectionate. Touch your wives. Flirt with your wives in front of the kids. They need to see that. They see it in the world, all over the place, in sinful, wicked, illicit relationships. And what is tacitly communicated is Christian married people don't enjoy marriage and sex. That is for the wild, crazy, sinful relationships. The excitement about sex and the, the enjoyment of bodies, that's for all the wicked people. But if you're a Christian, you get married, sorry, it's lame, it's boring, it's stagnant, it's old. We don't want anybody to think we actually like it. Can you imagine? No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Gentlemen, if you're married... If your sexual relationship with your wife is not thriving, you need to fix that. There are problems there. There's something that needs to be figured out. And we need to set these examples for our sons. And we need to have these conversations with our sons. The consequences are severe. Again, to wrap up the chapter. But why, my son... Should you be captivated by an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a different woman? For the ways of a person are in front of the Lord's eyes, and the Lord weighs all that a person's paths. The wicked will be cap- captured by his own iniquities, and he will be held by the cords of his own sin. He will die because there's no discipline, because of the greatness of his folly. He will reel. He does bring it back to the Lord, saying, The Lord knows, son, the Lord knows, he knows what you're doing. Look, we're sexual creatures. We have desires. We have passions. That's good. 
It's just that we're to, to fulfill those desires with our wife and nobody else. If you're not pursuing your wife, you're going to be tempted to someone else. So pursue your wife. And wives are sexual creatures too. I mean, I'm talking to guys here, right? Uh, but women are sexual creatures. Remember in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, do not rob one another. Don't defraud one another. He speaks to both. Do not withhold from one another. He's speaking to both. We think somehow that you know, women are, I don't know, uh, they're, they don't have the same desires. Of course they do. You need to pursue her so she's not tempted to find another guy who will pursue her. Joe says, I struggle to show affection. Yeah, a lot of guys do. I don't know why, but get over it. <laughs> Sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's it, Just stop thinking about it and touch her. And if it's, if it's not been a regular part of your relationship, uh, well, so what? Start today. Fight through that. Women want to be touched. Women want us as husbands to speak about their bodies. Have you read Song of Songs lately or Song of Solomon, as it's sometimes called? They both speak very erotically about each other's bodies. Women want that. They want to know, especially if you've been married a while. Especially as she's had kids and her body doesn't look the same as it did in her 20s. She wants to hear from you that you still find her body attractive. You need to do it so you're not pursuing someone else. And I know, I've said this over and over today, but dads, whether your son is 8 or 28, talk to him. Talk to him. We need to have these conversations. And again, it's not just about body parts. It's about the, the um, desires of sex. Your sons need to know it's, it's okay. Those desires are good. And they need to know they have somebody to talk about it. Luke one, Luke one no more says 34 years of marriage and we still rock it like newlyweds. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm 30 and a half years and I can say the same thing. It's, it's wonderful. The, the lies, you realize how, how much the enemy has distorted all of this. Married, wholesome sex is boring and stale and all the fun is done when you're young and illicit. It's just a lie from the pit. And he says, what age do you think it's most wise to have these conversations? Um, yeah, good question. Um, first of all, when the kids are very young, like I said earlier, flirt with your wife, make it obvious with your, in front of them. May they, you, they need to see it. They need to see it. So that starts from the day they're born, right? You could continue to, uh, flirt and, uh, and talk about it, uh, with your wife. Uh, don't, be shy about what you and your wife are going to do when you stick them in front of a, a movie or something or books, right? Um, they're, whenever they hear the word sex in any, and they're going to hear it, right? 
they're listening to <laughs> they're listening to you as a uh, as I talk about it here on the live stream. Daddy, what's sex? Don't freak out about that. Say, like, well, it's a I early on I called it uh, you know it's what married people do. I just kind of leave it there when they were five, six, seven, eight, whatever. It's what married people do. We'll talk about that as you get older. Uh, I took my son to Denver when he was eleven. We took a, a father son trip, and I asked him what he knew about sex, and he said, "Well, is it marriage?" I said, "Close." He goes, "That's all I got, Dad." I thought, "All right." He doesn't need to uh, to go any further. But what I did in that is, number one, I told him, you know, I made sure he understood this is not a taboo subject. And number two, I'm the one to talk about th this with. So a year later, he was 12, and uh, I bought a uh, an Xterra in uh, Maryland. So we flew out to Maryland and drove con cross country two days. And we're driving in the Xterra back here to Colorado. And we talked nuts and bolts. We talked about this stuff. We talked about it all cross country for two days. Now there were obviously lots of other conversations interspersed and, uh, we'd talk about it and then he'd ponder it. We'd talk about some other stuff and then we'd come back to it. So for, for me, at least, uh, with my son, it was uh, 12 was when we really got into it. Uh, but I was kind of gauging how much is he understanding. Um, but I, I wanted to get out ahead of it because I, I really wanted his first in-depth conversation to be with me and not with someone else. And they will talk about it with somebody else. So I hope that, hope that helps. Um, Luke Warman no more says, got married at 18, love my wife with all my heart, need to flirt more. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are sexual creatures. She is, you are. And we need to, we need to not be shy about that. He says, raised three boys, did the talk with all of them. None of them remember it. <laughs> well, even if they don't remember, they do remember that you talked, and hopefully that means they will uh, learn the lessons. It's not taboo, and and so on. Uh, Lon says it seems you need to be careful about what they're learning in school these days. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we homeschooled, and so uh, that was one of the reasons why I don't want them learning there. Um, but you just cannot protect them. Uh, you you can't protect them from uh, as careful as you are. They are going to talk to friends are gonna, it's, it's out there. And you wanna be the go-to. Anthony says, thanks, that's helpful. So you, you were asking questions to see where he's at until he got to 12, just to make sure you were the one explaining. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if at 11, I mean, that was, the, that was part of the reason for that trip. And if I had a sense that he was more curious and had had conversations or exposure to anything, I would have pressed in harder. But it was pretty clear to me, he really didn't know, he, he was, pretty naive to it all and hadn't spent much time talking about it with anybody else. So I thought, all right, we'll wait a little longer. But uh, I always had my eyes open. And what that did, what is wonderful, he's got a, a, a very serious relationship now, long distance. And it keeps, because, because he saw me and my wife uh, model this, flirt with each other, sex was just you know, it was not a taboo subject and, and they knew from the time they were able to know anything. Even when they didn't understand what sex was, our kids knew we were doing it. And, and they, you know, they told us that in, in certain ways. Um, but what it has done by, by modeling it before them and having the open conversation, it's taught all of our kids, but especially me and my son, we are going to talk about this all the way through your relationship. And I'm the one he comes to, and he comes and shares his temptations, right? So we can talk about that. And I ask him flat out, what's going on? Are you, are you behaving yourself? How are you handling 
those desires and yet the desire to please the Lord and protect your, your girlfriend, all that. Uh, and, and he knows I am not going to shame him for saying, um, your, your, your desires. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I have the same desires. Now I get to fulfill them with your mom. You don't because you, you got to wait till you're married. But it, it, because we started early and that's just been the, the nature of our household, they're not afraid to talk. Uh, he's not afraid to talk to me about it. Uh, Luke Mornor says something worked out. Uh, we have th- three grandchildren. Yeah. Well, and, and my daughters, because of this, uh, my, I think I've told you my daughter is engaged and, uh, I expect, uh, her husband, uh, to, uh, to high five me, uh, she, because she, she's not going to be sheepish about it. She's, uh, she's been around it her whole life too. And that's great. It's gonna be a great gift to him. Uh, Michael says, as a public school teacher, believe me, health teachers try to get ahead of it. Pains me to know how little parents speak with their children about the subject. Uh, I'm not a healthy. Yeah, exactly. And of course, we see that more and more today. Our our school system is convinced they're the ones responsible to teach everything to children. And they are going to teach a very wicked view of this. So, all right. So the three takeaways as we wrap this up. Number one, gentlemen, there are lots of breasts in the world that don't belong to you. Stay away, run away, (laughs) and they want you. Run away. Number two, if you're married, there are breasts that belong to you. Go after them and enjoy them. And number three, fathers, please, please, please talk to your sons about this. All right, got to run. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you back on Monday to continue through Hebrews. God bless.